This podcast is brought to you by the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. On Sunday, the Labor Department announced a new rule designed to protect parent companies that work with contractors or franchisees like fast food giant McDonald's. The rule addresses the issue of joint employment. In issues of labor and lost wages, franchisees and contractors normally don't have the resources like the parent company. And if the idea is to file a suit against the parent, the new rule, according to workers' advocates, helps employers avoid liability for harmful practices. Debbie Freeman is a labor and employment attorney with the firm of Cozen and O'Connor, and she joins us right now to give us her insight. Debbie, great to have you with us today. Thank you. Thank you very much. Great to have you joining us. So give us your sense of, of I guess, why the Labor Department made this move in the first place. The Labor Department has not changed its interpretation of when employers are joint employers in over 60 years. And the test that they had on the books was not very workable and led to a lot of confusion. And courts ended up applying many different factors and standards, and that made it difficult for employers to have any predictability. So the changes made by the Labor Department ended up being what? What they've done is they have set out a four-factor test to help both employers and employees determine whether two or more employers are joint employers, like in your franchisor-franchisee relationship. And those four factors are whether the alleged joint employer can hire or fire employees, whether the alleged joint employer can control worker schedules or their job conditions to a substantial degree, whether the alleged joint employer can set their pay and payment methods, and whether the alleged joint employer maintains the employment records. And the Department of Labor said that just maintaining employment records in and of itself isn't enough to establish the necessary control. And this is a balancing test. So you don't have to show all four factors, but you're looking for indications of control over the workers when you look at the various factors. And and what had been the the rule prior to this change by the Labor Department? Prior to that, the Department of Labor had said that they were looking to see whether employers were completely disassociated from each other or acting entirely independent of each other. And that was difficult because you might have situations, for instance, where a parent company wants to ensure certain quality work standards at its franchisee, or where a parent company wants to try to reduce fees of vendors used by the franchisees. And in those situations, you could say they're not completely disassociated, but is that enough? to make them a joint employer, and the Department of Labor is saying, no, that's not enough. You need to show more. But I would think that in most instances, when you're talking about going to your local Burger King or your local McDonald's to get a bite to eat, or if you are one of the employees there, they are working under rules, for the most part, that are set by the parent company, correct? Not necessarily. That issue would be whether the parent company is mandating certain rules, whether they're getting involved in ensuring those rules are followed. But how much then does the franchisor uh, or the franchisee, excuse me, um, have to live by rules that come down from the parent company? 
Obviously, that depends on each situation. But I think it's fair to say that when you're a franchisee, there are certain quality standards and certain rules that you do have to follow from the parent company so that when customers and guests go into the establishment, there's some level of uniformity from one franchisee to another. So what is this going to most likely mean for employees moving forward when they have an issue in the workforce? It may limit employees' ability to go after the parent company in a franchise or franchisee situation or employers that work with staffing companies. So whereas if there's a joint employer status, an employee can go after either employer because they're jointly and severably liable for wages that are due. Here, it may eliminate that, and there may only be one employer that you can go after. So it, it doesn't sound like across the board this is a change that benefits the, the, the corporation. There obviously are certain situations where there is more of a benefit now to the company, to the parent company here. Right. There is more predictability for a parent company to understand what actions it can and cannot take in order to avoid joint employer liability. But overall, then, does the change in the rules here make it make it worse for the employee in general, do you think? It's too soon to tell. And interestingly, this rule that came out doesn't have the force and effect of law. And what that means is that if this is challenged in court, Courts can decide how much deference to give these four factors. So we really wait, need to wait and see how the courts are going to interpret these factors and whether they're going to come out more heavily in favor of employers or not. And it, it's seemingly not a question of if that's going to occur. It's more like when it's going to occur, because we know that, that these types of issues pop up on, on a relatively frequent basis across the United States. That's correct. There most certainly will be court challenges, and we need to wait for guidance to see what the results of those challenges are. Now, from what I read, this new rule, I guess, is similar to something that was presented back in 2018 by the National Labor Relations Board. Can you shed some light on that? Certainly. There is a current effort underway in the Trump administration to give employers some more guidance and predictability across government agencies. So the rule that we're talking about today is from the Department of Labor and applies to wage claims. The National Labor Relations Board, which governs collective bargaining and unfair labor practices, is also set to issue a final rule shortly. And their proposed rule is similar in many respects to this new rule from the wage and hour division. It says that an employer has to exercise substantial, direct, and immediate control over the terms and conditions of employment in order to have joint employer liability under the National Labor Relations Act. In the statement made by the Labor Department over the weekend, they noted that, I guess, the the prior rule uh, was, uh, to a degree, hindering elements of the economy with with these companies. With that kind of statement, what are your thoughts about that? I don't know whether it's been hindering the economy, and I think it's stretching it perhaps to say that employers don't enter into certain relationships out of concern for joint employer liability. 
but it does allow employers more freedom to have some more control over their franchisees without fear of necessarily being held liable as a joint employer. So if you were commenting to to both small business owners, the franchisees, but also to employees, and obviously there's going to be two different answers on this, what does this change mean for both of those parties, do you think? I think employees no longer can count on the big, deep pocket, let's say, of a parent corporation if they have concerns that they're being shorted on their wages and their only redress may be against a franchisee. Small business owners also may be feeling the pinch, knowing that they're solely on the hook for any unpaid wages and that they themselves can't look to a parent company for support. Is that going to make it tougher moving forward then potentially? And again, this may be a little bit of a, a look into the crystal ball here of that relationship between franchisee and, and parent company moving forward for them knowing that it's the franchisee who's going to be responsible for making up that lost revenue. Currently, franchisees know that they're on the hook. So it doesn't change their own potential liability. What it may do is just limit the fact that an employee can choose to go after another entity in addition or in lieu of that employer. But in terms of cost-benefit analysis, any franchisee needs to know going into the relationship that they are the ones primarily on the hook for payment of wages and overtime. Deborah, great to have you with us. Thank you very much for your time. Greatly appreciate it. Deborah Friedman, who is a labor and employment attorney here in Philadelphia with the firm of Cozen and O'Connor. To keep engaged with Wharton Business Daily and other Wharton School shows, visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.